Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. And hello! Welcome back to the Soundtrack to a Life. I am still Chris. With me once more is Cam. Cam, hi! Good day! And Cam and I are talking today about Dio's 1983 album, uh, Holy Diver. Cam, tell me about your relationship with this piece of music. What, uh, what brought you to this and made you bring it to me? I didn't listen to a whole lot of metal other than, like, say, like Black Sabbath growing up, whatever my dad had kind of grown up with. Uh, so sometime around grade 10, so 2007, 2008 for me, I had a friend, uh, a friend that we actually worked with, um, Rob, who I, I hung out with a lot. We would play video games all the time, and I would hang out at his house quite often. And we would just game and listen to music, and he got rock band with all the peripherals and setup and the drums, the guitar and all that. And this was actually the, a song off of this, uh, Rainbow in the Dark, was the first song he had downloaded. He saw that it was ready for it, like, download, downloaded it, was really excited about it. And I was like, okay, like, we'll, we'll play that. We played it. It was like, man, that was an awesome song. And he's like, you've, you've, never, you've never heard of Dio? I was like, no. So he, he showed me Dio, and it actually led to a huge power metal binge for that whole year, pretty much. Nice. And I had uh, I had never I had never listened to Dio previous to this either. Metal from the first half of the 1980s has always been a blind spot for me. I think that that is because of my age. I think that if I were about 10 years older than this, I would have listened to this record in uh, 1983 when it was released, and it would have been really fresh and unique and attention-catching. And I think that if I were about 10 years younger than this, uh, it would have been a cool find from a decade in which I had not been alive. But just due to my placement, all of the music that I grew up with existed in pretty direct opposition. That's fair. That's to this. Fair. Like, I grew up I grew up with bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and whatnot, whose stated goal was to destroy this style of music. Yeah. And make something earthier and rootsier, which catches up with you. Regardless? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Which is a shame, because this is obviously terrific. Like, this is a really well-made record. Well, it was, it was Dio coming off of his one record with Black Sabbath. Yes. Right? Like, he wanted to make... He still wanted to make kind of that style of metal music, but with a, a very Dio edge to it, I guess. Did he only do one record with Black Sabbath? Technically two. Uh, he did... The one in 1980, or 1979 or 1980, and yep. then he did one later in 1992. Oh, when they came back. Yeah. Nice. I, th I assumed that he was um, the lead singer of Sabbath for longer than that. It was like a four-year span, but he was only on one album. Mmm. Yeah, when they fired Ozzy Osbourne. That kind of makes sense, and I mean, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get why you would need to fire Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, well, and that was especially around, that was really around the time where he was eating bats and wearing dresses, and he was generally a 
a, a terror on the stage. Yeah, but an amazing show. Oh, yeah, I would imagine. But also if you have to see him every day and then work with him. <laughs> there are certain people that you, you can only spend uh, like a, a short amount of time with. Like, you like them, but I imagine living with that person, touring with that person, you know, li- eating and breathing with that person for a long amount of time, like a tour amount of time, yeah, would probably drive you up the wall, especially yeah. somebody as eccentric as uh, and very out there as Ozzy. Yeah, I mean, you can bite a, the head off a bat on stage. Don't bite a head off a bat while I'm trying to enjoy my breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go good with coffee. So he wasn't, he wasn't a member of Sabbath for that long. That's interesting. Uh, I always hear the two of them roughly equated. I assume... And people listening can rage tweet at me to correct me if I'm wrong. But I assume that Ozzy is still considered the main Sabbath frontman. Oh, yeah. Um, like, you think Black Sabbath, it's it's definitely Ozzy. Yeah. But this dude has a tremendous voice. Like, this whole record is giant, chunky riffs. And, like, keyboards and... and yep. Yeah. And Dio howling about, like, goblins and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and... Fun fact, he never had any actual vocal training. Oh, really? Just like a powerful voice and going to town? Yeah, well, and he kind of credits how he got that powerful voice from the breathing exercises from playing trumpet. Oh, that actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So, like, no, but he, he idolized an opera singer that was in New York, Mario Danza, I believe. I had probably got that wrong, but... Uh, yeah, like he he idolized opera and then ended up kind of making operatic, you know, power metal. It's a very operatic style of metal that he's doing here. Oh yeah, it is really big, really over the top. Um, he's definitely over singing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But the music that he's making here kind of requires that, so that seems fine. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it makes it seem that much more epic when you can actually hear the vibrato. That he's putting out, like, just, yeah. Yeah, and you don't need to be uh, held hostage by the idioms of your genre. No, he definitely blew that out of the water. Uh, it's funny that he was trained uh, on the trumpet, since uh, on Rainbow in the Dark, especially, the horn lines are being played on synthesizers. Yeah, right? <laughs> he, was, he was right there. <laughs> he could have definitely played that horn line. I, I guess it was just, like, synthesizers... I guess really blew up in the 80s, didn't they? Well, not synthesizers, I should say, but keyboards. Yeah. Did they not? like Yeah, coming... keyboards and synths. Yeah. So trying to incorporate that into more of like, okay, this is heavy metal, but this is this is the Dio version of yeah. heavy metal. We're going to be bringing it with the latest in technology, which to me doesn't super work on guitar records. Not always, no. Like I'm a big fan of synth bands from this area, but you got to commit. That's fair. <laughs> For me, I want three dudes with synths, no other instruments. <laughs> I think it works specifically for Rainbow in the Dark. Yeah, no, it comes off as very charming there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's, it's such a catchy riff going in there. Like, it's... Yeah, it really is. It sticks with you. Like, it is earworm of a non-horn horn line. Yeah, definitely. The um, solos uh, on this record also are incredibly played. They don't draw attention away from the song. They don't. They fit right into it. Yeah, which a lot of the time, in metal bands especially... It, it almost seems like there's okay, there's singing, there's everything, let's stop that, there's a solo, and then we get back into the song. But yeah, 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 but like it fits in. There's a lot of all of the pieces come together well. 
Is the, you may not know this, is the guitarist someone that I should be familiar with? It's somebody who I should be familiar with, but uh, I'll admit I did my research uh, like four or five days ago, and for some reason it's just not coming to me. But there were quite a few prominent guitarists that kind of came in and out of the band. The only constant member of the band from 83 to 2010 was Dio himself. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it makes sense that he's got a lot of prominent people within the genre in this, because I was very surprised, having listened to this, to learn that it was their debut. Yeah. Like, this sounds like a band that has done a lot of work together. Well, and it really came out of when they were trying to mix Evil Live for Black Sabbath. Dio and Vince, the drummer of Black Sabbath at the time, uh, had a huge disagreement with Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler um, of how Evil Live should sound, and enough that it just rend the band in two. And since Vince wanted to keep playing with Dio, they went off and formed Dio. That makes sense. Dio is the kind of performer, I think, who would do well at an audition for your band, but then once he was in your band, start to warp everything around him. I could see that. Like, he's very distinct in a way that commands attention, and if it was your band previous to him getting there, I see how that would grate on somebody. Oh, yeah, he's much larger than life. Even in the music video for Holy Diver, he wanted to be the one who was kind of the, the central role of it, and he was. <laughs> he, he was, it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's Dio wandering around a desolate church slaying hobgoblins. It's, it's awesome. Perfect. Yeah, he's, he's very much the kind of performer who needs to name his band after himself. Well, and he, he did that because he was a well-known name. It was, oh, this guy replaced Ozzy in Black Sabbath. But when he left, people knew his name. So he decided, oh, well, since my name's known anyway, let's name the band after me. I'm just going to call it that. And then everybody who's in my band will have no questions. Nope. <laughs> about where the creative thrust for the music that we're making is coming from. Completely, yeah. <laughs> the other three from Van Halen. <laughs> We're probably the same way. Like, If you want to make your own music, feel quite free. However, this band is called a thing for a reason. <laughs> People will know what it is and who's playing. Yeah. And uh, his voice captures attention. And this is when I'm thinking about like cliche 80s metal voice. This definitely fits in. Yeah, this yeah. is 100%. Like A lot of the tropes are coming from this. Did metal vocal... I don't think that metal vocalists sounded like this. Not really before this. Previous to 1983? No. But after very much. Oh, yeah. Like, even, like, decades later, Jack Black is bicking this style for his singing in Tenacious D. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very distinctive, especially to the power metal genre, which uh, there are debates as to where power metal started. But Dio was definitely one of the uh, proponents who kind of brought it to the mainstream. Yeah. Even his previous bands, uh, he started off uh, in a high school band, the Las Vegas Kings. Okay. Which I don't know if the hockey team is named after them or not, or if it came from similar origins. I think that our lives are better if the hockey team was named after the metal band. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's some sort of metaphor there. Going to a frozen wasteland with your weapons, like some, something like that. Um then Ronnie and the Rumblers, and he eventually ended up having his own band, which started off as The Elves, okay. but eventually it was just called Elf. Oh, cool. I'm vaguely familiar with Elf. And much like the LA Kings were named after his band, I'm going to assume that the Will Ferrell movie 
is named after the metal band Elf. That'd be amazing. Right? I'm, I'm okay with that canon. Will, Will Ferrell, could you make that movie, please? <laughs> Actually, probably don't. It'll just be worse Spinal Tap. Probably, yeah. But if you made it Christmas-themed and, you know, dressed as an elf again, uh, there, there's something there. Yeah. A bunch of Santa's elves form a metal band, go to Norway because it's the most Christmassy country in the world, realize that Norwegian metal fans are not what you expected <laughs> them to be. <laughs> and there could even be a whole subplot of where are they getting their money and metal fans get a look into, wait, Santa's real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, in the third act, all the heavy metal fans learn that Santa's real. <laughs> it could be heartwarming. It could also be very scary. Will Ferrell, if you're listening, call me. Oh, man, that's the worst movie that I would definitely watch twice. <laughs> <laughs> it would almost be like a twist to the likes of uh, Fight Club. You... <laughs> yeah. So he's straight up uh, fighting goblins in a church during the video for Holy Diver. It's a bit of a weird video, because you see him swinging the sword, and then the goblins are now rats, I think. Or maybe the rats were there and the goblins disappeared. I don't know. It's it's very out-there fantasy. I'll buy that. I'll yeah. get into it. Like, one of the more dismissive uh, descriptions of this style of music that I've used in my life was every song's about goblins and shit. <laughs> so, untrue. good that he's right in there. I'm glad that it doesn't come from uh, nowhere. And it sounds like, in spite of the fact that this is probably a pretty minimal band, he's replacing all of the more esoteric instruments with synths. Yep. But everything still sounds very big. Like, this is a really strong soundtrack to going out on an adventure. Oh, even the, the first song just comes out and says, you know, you be you, stand up and get it out there. Doesn't matter what, you know, your, your haters would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, it would, yeah, and it does feel that way sonically as well. It sounds like the soundtrack to, like, a road trip that you're starting. Anytime I was traveling anywhere, this would fit really well with that spirit of new beginnings, which it was for him, and Definitely. embarking on a journey that would take you places, which it was for him. So, good for him for soundtracking his own adventure really appropriately. Whether you're on a uh, tour bus or climbing aboard your trusty steeds to go slay some goblins. Yeah, if I were in a montage that was set to a Dio song, I presume that I would have killed a dragon with a sword that I had forged myself by the time the montage was done. <laughs> <laughs> that would fit perfectly, I'm guessing, to any song on this album. So Yeah, there's no bad choice for something like that. And he also, I noted, um, produced the record himself. So he sang and wrote and produced an album by a band of his own name. Like, he really was, and is, I mean, Dio's not... Is Dio dead? Dio's dead. Is he? 2010. Okay, then, I <laughs> I guess was was appropriate. Unfortunately, And yeah. my apology to Dio fans who are still a little bit torn up about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he really was an auteur over the music that he was producing. Well, and even... On this album, he did have an audio engineer, and one of the songs is about the uh, audio engineer's trouble with romance, straight to the heart. How it, it seemed to them while they were producing this album that the audio engineer would always kind of be in and out of romances and always complaining to them about, like, oh, this girl, that girl kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. So he, he was very, yeah, intimate with the not only the production but the mixing with their said audio engineer. Ah, neat. Uh, I did not expect any of these songs to be about a real person. <laughs> there's, there's actually that and 
one of the other songs, I'm drawing a blank, that one of them is about a 14-year-old girl, the next verse is about a closeted gay man, and then the third verse is about Dio himself, and how he was kind of in a very dark time and place, and how he was doing this to get out of that. Oh, good. And it works. It works. It blends well, lyrically. Oh, everything uh, on this album is empowering. <laughs> yeah, and there's no... And this fascinates me because this is not always something that you can say about metal, especially 80s metal. There's no fat on this record. Like, I, I, I think I see what you mean. Yeah, like Dio has a really strong sense of what he wants his debut record to sound like. Yeah. And every note works toward that in an incredibly direct way. Oh yeah, even live. If you go, they did Rainbow, or Rainbow, they did Holy Diver live. And it's another hour on top of this album, but it's because they extend the drums, they extend the guitars, but it's the same thing. Even his live vocals, he hits every note and more. Like oh, wow. Yeah. I imagine this would have been a delight to see performed live. Oh, yeah. I, I had the opportunity to go, see an, uh, to go see Dio on the last tour that they did, and I didn't. You should and have gone. I, I definitely should have gone. This is why I'm spending so much money on concert tickets now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you own, that only has to happen to you once Yeah. for you to realize, okay, every band that I love, when they come to town, I have to see them just once. Yeah. I, I can see them after that, but that one time, you have to see them. Yes. Every artist that you enjoy, especially artists that you enjoyed as you developed as a human being, is minimum 10 years older than you. So you're good to see them next time they come to town. They might not be good to be seen by you. <laughs> Go catch them now. Because anything can happen. Yeah. And some artists are a troubled lot, right? So Frequently. Yeah. Or things like uh, Dio uh, passed away from stomach cancer. Oh. And it was very kind of on set. It wasn't like a, a long build-up to it. It was just, he was here one moment, and then he's gone. Or you don't know that. That's true. I mean, like Bowie and Alan Rickman went. Yeah. From cancer that they were not willing to tell you about, because who the fuck are you? Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> very true. Just keep it to themselves, and their friends and their family know. Which is completely their right. Yeah, 100%. I wouldn't. Or maybe I would. I seem to share every part about myself. <laughs> it really uh, depends on... Too uh, freely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing who you're sharing with for some people. That's very true. Yeah. Um, I, do, I don't usually talk about this on this show because it's not usually something that grabs my attention to the point that it needs to be talked about. But, oh my god, I cannot begin to say how much I love 1980s heavy metal album covers. Oh yes. Like, just... All of them. Every single one of them. They're frequently hand-painted. The imagery is always insane. I liked the Quiet Riot cover where the dude was done up in a straight jacket and a Hannibal Lecter mask eight years before that movie came out. <laughs> Motley Crue uh, early record covers are a delight. And this is no exception. No, and... A lot of metal covers, when you first, like 1980s metal covers, when you first look at them, it almost looks like a lot of noise, but when you can actually kind of look at it and appreciate it, this one, one of the reasons that they actually named the album after the, the song, Holy Diver, is the song Dio was trying to portray that 
it's it's not always the person who looks nice that is going to be nice. Like things aren't always what they seem. Yeah. So when somebody had asked him about the album cover, about why why is there a devil strangling a priest, he said, "Well, you don't know. Maybe the priest is strangling the devil, or the devil is strangling the priest. How do you know just by looking at something and not exploring it?" I like that. I like that, and it's a great visual for those of you at home who have not seen it. A demon-looking guy has a priest-looking guy wrapped in chains and is drowning him in a river, and the whole thing is just really vivid and vibrant and immediate. It was painted by a gentleman called Randy Barrett, who did the covers for a bunch of other Dio albums and a bunch of Iron Maiden albums. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, from the Google search that I did of his work, also some Hobbit and Star Wars posters. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, you can absolutely hang art that this dude did in your room. Without even knowing. Yeah. Even, like... Yeah, he's one of those people who just was working for years and years and years. And this is tremendous work. It is metal AF. (laughs) You could definitely airbrush this record onto the side of your van in 1985, and everyone would know exactly where you were coming from with this. (laughs) That's a good metal fan right there. Right? That's how you know. Like, people don't have windowless vans anymore. No, I imagine the, the panelless van thing died after they started to be associated with uh, pedophiles. Nice. I, <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Enough. But I feel like if you airbrush a Dio record onto the side of your van... You'd get a lot of fans. Right? I imagine. Since... I'm, I'm like, it, wouldn't, it shouldn't be associated anymore, because obviously this dude's not off to commit a sex crime. No. He has the most noticeable and memorable vehicle that I have ever seen in my life. Could you describe the car? <laughs> this guy's not Yes, a, I can. Yeah. <laughs> He's not committing a crime. He's off on an epic quest, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole back of his van is filled with, I don't know, probably... Epic quest items? Epic quest items? You'd you'd have to make a list of what they had during The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And probably those things. Swords, chainmail. Yep. One axe. (laughs) (laughs) That you took from a dwarf. Well, hopefully, you know, a dwarf with, like, the beard and and all that. Because otherwise, that's just mean. Or a member of the band, the dwarves. Although they'd be probably angry that you had a Dio record airbrushed on the side of your van rather than a dwarves record. Oh, probably, yeah. Um, (laughs) I like how there's a, a band called The Dwarves. There's a band called Elf or yeah. Elves. There's, is there a band called Hobbit? I want to say that there is. I, I mean, metal bands in the 70s and 80s were very invested in J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, he, he almost created the, the fantasy genre, really. Pretty much. If, uh, yeah, if they had soundtracked the Lord of the Rings movie entirely in metal. It would have fit. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a very tonally different move. For sure, but it would have worked. I feel like it would have felt much more akin to the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came out in the early 2000s, which is one of those movies that you can watch twice and then never again. I still haven't watched the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I meant to. I was disappointed that the first act did not end with the villain of the movie schooling all of the main characters almost to death, and then act two is just them wandering around the forest killing bears and shit for 45 minutes until they level up, and then they go back. That would have been way more accurate. It would have been a very accurate movie, if not a very good one. (laughs) 
D&D fans would like it. Probably no one else. <laughs> right? I don't know. D&D fans don't even like it when they have to do it. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. One more detail about the cover. Because I didn't notice it the first time I saw it, and then it made me laugh harder than anything I've ever seen in my life. The devil figure, who has the priest figure wrapped up in chains, he's throwing horns with his free hand. Right? That's fantastic. <laughs> Dio's actually credited with uh, inventing that gesture. Good. So it's, it, it's completely his, so it kind of makes sense. Good. Good. <laughs> that demon uh, shows up on future Dio records, I'm told, as well. Yep. Uh, the next one after that, I'm not sure. Fair enough. But, yeah. That's neat. Bands don't have mascots anymore. Well, and even today when Iron Maiden comes by, instead yeah. of shouting Iron Maiden, some you'll hear half the crowd shouting, Eddie! Eddie! Yeah, that makes right? sense. Because <laughs> you need to have a mascot. It's part of your visual branding. Get it together, contemporary hard rock people. Well, and, and even that, like, I don't think any bands have a mascot now. Like, there are some bands who will, I guess, be their mascot. There's an electronic artist, Marshmallow, yeah. who wears a really cool helmet. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dead Mouse. Dead Mouse, yeah. Does the, the same. Electronic uh, artists seem to be the one who are kind of picking up the, yeah. the mascot game. Daft Punk are still doing the sexy robot thing. Yep. I, I wonder if they've switched out members of Daft Punk and just not told anybody. There's no way for you to know. Right. They could be immortal. A photo circulated of the two of them playing pool at an after party without masks. Okay. But all that that photo proves is that middle-aged French dudes exist. Because <laughs> there's no proving that those are members of Daft Punk. <laughs> or maybe they are, but not the original ones. Sure. Doesn't prove anything. Although, in that specific instance, I feel like if you're only putting out a record every five years and there are only two of you... You probably don't. You need probably it. are keeping the original two guys. That's probably what means makes it take so long. Oh, probably, yeah. To make it just perfect. They've both got all of their other things that they're doing, which I imagine is probably producing other people's stuff. I mean, probably they did that one weekend song. Okay. One of them might be Nicholas Sarkozy. There's <laughs> no proof that he isn't. They wear masks all the time. That's the best thing about having a mask to wear. <laughs> You can be a superhero in your own right. That's exactly right. Yeah, electronic artists are doing the um, visual mascot thing in a way that hard rock bands are not anymore. No, it's it's very much the bands are what they are. They're either named after the lead singer or the, uh, not really the guitarist anymore. Which is a shame. I think it's a real missed opportunity. Imagine Dragons could put an actual dragon on every record they record. And it would fit. Right? Especially if the dragons were something that you hadn't seen before. No no Western style, no Chinese style, like something new and imaginative. A new don't, <laughs> don't ask me to imagine dragons. You're the performer. Show me a fucking dragon. <laughs> Especially with a name like that. It's your job. <laughs> I want a dragon on your next album cover, Imagine Dragons. And I want for all of the songs to be about goblins and shit. At least do one album like that, just to throw off your fans. That sounds great. And they think they could. They don't have, and I think this is their strength and their weakness as a band. They don't have a well-developed sense of self, those guys. They, they do produce good music, but I agree. Otherwise, their identity, as it were, isn't really rooted in, in anything. Yeah, which means that they can do anything, but it's hard for me to emotionally invest yeah. in any of it. Yeah, that's fair. It, it, they seem to be, yeah, one of those bands that they'll take an idea and kind of run with it, but not really stick with anything on, on one album. Yeah. 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 I get that. 
Which is a shame, because they're the main guitar band right now. Are they? I think they might be. I can't name another one, so Who probably. Who would their competition be? far as, as big as they are? I can't yeah. name anyone. Like, Coldplay is still a radio band, but they're mostly, I think, preaching to a collection of fans that they developed 10 or 15 years ago. I can't see Which, that. like, fair play to them, I'm one of those guys. Fair <laughs> Like any of their songs that made it big, they did. They did one recently with another artist, didn't they? Who Coldplay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, they did one with the Chainsmokers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But the only one that I can <clears throat> think of before that would be Viva La Vida, which was two thousand eight. Yeah. So that that checks out. Yeah, but they were all over the radio at work. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. You just don't know that it's Coldplay because you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> everyone made their decision on Coldplay about 10 years ago. You got on board or you got off. And enough people got on that they're still a radio band a decade later. True. I would like to see more music like Dio getting main, like mainstream success. I don't know if that age is over or if it just hasn't come around again. I think this was the product of how radio was organized. Okay. In the 70s and 80s? Okay. Um, because in the 70s and 80s, AM radio was for, if I understand correctly, all of the very poppy, mainstream, three minutes in and out pop songs. Okay. And FM radio was for the longer, weirder, guitarier tracks. Okay, okay. But radio is not radio anymore. No, especially with the wide amount of formats that you have. There's, you know, like podcasts and iHeartRadio and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what it winds up being is instead of FM radio, where something like longer and guitarier, but still like within the realm of contemporary mainstream rock used to exist. Yeah. Uh, there's now just the micro targeting of incredibly specific genres that are correct for a very small amount of people. That makes sense, yeah. But because there's an unlimited room for the number of stations. Okay, okay. Uh, they don't have to do the most popular thing and then the second most popular thing. Yeah. They do the most popular thing and then literally everything else in tiny corners that you can seek out if you're that into Scandinavian dance battle. <laughs> uh, there's an entire show of that. Or I have a show that I get of contemporary goth new wave and synth pop groups by a bunch of DJs in Florida. Yeah, which is amazing, but you can listen to that from here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can find the perfect music for you, but that means that there will not be an act like Dio who takes music like this in the same kind of mainstream direction. That's fair. Although they still do um, sellout stadiums. Yeah, oh yeah. And that's just... Because they've, they've built up such a huge fan base over a long amount of time. Yeah. I just wonder what it would take for a contemporary power metal band to sell out like somebody like Justin Bieber in North America. I'm not talking about like Northern Europe because that's the metal. That's a whole other thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like they could. Like the biggest tour of last year was Depeche Mode. Yeah. Rather than a contemporary artist who's all over the radio. Fair. Because they cultivated a very devoted group of fans, and literally every one of them showed up. Fair. And that makes sense, because when you're going to see a band like Depeche Mode play live, you're going to see them 
play, not necessarily for the show, but to actually, you know, hear them sing and play the guitar and so on and so forth. Yeah. The show is definitely an added bonus on top of that. Yeah. But I feel like if you're going to see a pop act, it's more for the show than it is to hear them sing for some people. And that's, I'd say it's it's less of a thing when you go into rock or metal or you actually want to hear them play the the instruments where that's less of a thing if it's a, if it's a pop act. Yeah, you're going to a rock act for musicianship. Yeah. Uh, and a pop act for showmanship. And both of those things are great. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I watched um, Tegan and Sarah on their Unplugged tour playing the con, and I'm given to understand that it was very different from their regular show. Oh, really? Yeah, it was the two of them and two other musicians playing really stripped-down versions of a very indie-sounding record that they put out ten years ago. Okay. As opposed to the, like, over-the-top, glammy pop that they're doing now. Fair, okay. And then my takeaway from learning that is, I want to see them now. To see that other side. Yeah. 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 I would I would watch this band play with a ton of explosions as well. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. That seems fine. <laughs> Going to that, a lot of metal performers, power metal performers I've noticed especially, have that very showy style not only in their appearance but in their shows there's lots of fire lots of everything going on lots of visuals in the, in the back now oh yeah yeah oh yeah no that um when i saw motley Crue most recently the drums were on a roller coaster <laughs> and when he did a drum solo it would lift him from his perch behind the band and throw him out into the audience wow and then back because uh it was their last tour so go all out. And he wanted to. Yeah. That, <laughs> you have the money to, to get a swinging platform, you do it. Wow. Yep. Yep. You have a money, money to put your drums on a roller coaster, and you have the fan base to sell out some stadiums. Ride or die, you guys. We are aging out of performing heavy metal, and this is our last shot. <laughs> and yet the Stones are still going. The Stones are still going. I mean... I, I, I feel like there's a, a graveyard somewhere that, that Motley Crue needs to be a part of. Right? Where there's just hooded figures in black cloaks that go in, resurrect some bands, send them on a tour, and then they come back. That sounds great. I don't know. The Stones are still going because the Stones have a good attitude toward replacing members. Oh, yeah. That's fair. Uh, Motley Crue went with the original four guys from 1980 to 2000 and whatever. Which is amazing because just the sheer amount of drugs that they did you'd think would have caused some friction in the band, but they just all had that party mindset. Right? They literally did drugs like Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you've died of a heroin overdose and come back, there's you can do some pretty good music. There's not much that can phase you. I think probably my favorite crew song is the one about his heroin overdose. Kickstart my heart? That's the one. Yeah, okay. It's so good. <laughs> it gets you pumped up. Set your alarm to play it. You'll be ready to kick the crap out of your day. Hopefully not ironically having a heart attack as you wake up. Oh, that would be real bad. Also, how unhealthy do you have to be while ha to have a heart attack while waking up? <laughs> Isn't it, doesn't that usually happen when you're in the middle of doing something strenuous? Oh, probably. But I mean, imagine you were sleeping peacefully in that kind of fourth wave sleep, and then just that opening comes in, and, and you don't know what that is. Your brain tells you there's a tiger in your bedroom. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> don't listen to Molly Crew in the morning if you're prone to night terrors. <laughs> Although, really, any metal album is good to wake up to. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you actually want to do things. You don't need a, a one, two, three go if, if you've got 
guitars and drums and just high vocals pounding it into you that uh, that energy that that music does tend to give you wake the f up you have goblins to kill <laughs> there's an epic journey waiting outside your bedroom door oh i don't want to go on an epic journey too bad there's a centaur waiting <laughs> he's super into archery and will be your sidekick for the purposes of this an excellent way to wake up yeah Maybe a centaur. Should be a metal band with a centaur on every album. That'd be amazing. Right? I'm sure there's a metal band called Sagittarius out there that if they don't have that as their mascot, they should. Yeah. I feel like they're a really underserved corner of the high fantasy uh, genre. They either come in as strange enemies or weird off-the-centaur uh, off off-center mentors. That was hard to get out. Off. I would have accepted off-centors. <laughs> <laughs> off-center mentors? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, maybe I don't want them to. You know that book's only going to be about a high school girl falling in love with a centaur. Uh, by this point, yeah. Or a centaur who falls in love with a mermaid, but they can't be together because they're from two different worlds. And they're, they're still both half-human. So they're I mean, still like... both half-human. That's where the tension comes in. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going to eventually write that book. It'd be an awesome book to read. I'll, I definitely think it'll be a lucrative book to write. As long <laughs> as you don't just stick with mermaids and centaurs, but also have other half-human hybrids. Oh yeah, yeah, Like, not just, I'm not talking about just satyrs, like, coming up with, I don't know, say a half, half-man, half-tiger. Yeah. The bottom half is tiger, because why not? Sure. Are, are, uh, are, uh, harpies half-human? I think in some uh, mythos they are. Well, they definitely are for the purposes of this bad YA that I'm writing. Perfect. Because my only other plan to get centaurs in is uh, Fantasy Football League, where the centaurs are the main team in the league because they're very good at running. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you tried to tackle a centaur, that just wouldn't work. Yeah, but then I would have to learn about American football. And that feels unlikely. I've heard Fantasy Football, uh, as it is now, described as Jock D&D. So, like, if, if that would that would help, but I also am not knowledgeable mm -hmm. about current NFL nor CFL. Yeah, no. Um, the hardcore sports fans have always been stats nerds. Yeah. <laughs> They're just applying their stats nerdity uh, in different ways than you and I would. Yeah. That's my... One of the uh, political websites that I read, 538, is run by just a stats guy. And that's their claim to fame. He's really good at breaking down polls because he's really good at stats. That makes sense. And then if there's not an election coming up, it is all sports coverage. <laughs> because he's really good at stats, and that's the other thing that you can apply that part of your brain to. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. He has definitely found his niche. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. But we're coming to the end, I guess. Like, it's been 45 minutes already. Oh, wow. I did, uh, I did enjoy this. I'm glad that I listened to it. I would say probably at the end of the day I did have trouble connecting to it. This was a record that I think I respect more than I like. Okay. From a genre of music that I've had trouble connecting with emotionally. Which is a shame. The album is uh, obviously really great. I just wasn't in a position to appreciate it properly, I don't think. Okay. But I'm really glad that I listened to it, because it is a lot of fun. What would you say your favorite song off the album would be? Oh, we're closing on it. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I end hey. every uh, episode with my favorite song off the record. Oh, <laughs> Uh, which I guess we're getting to the point where we're going to do. This has been the soundtrack to a life. I have been Chris. Follow us on Facebook 
or Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, review us. Reviews are super useful. We've been listening to Dio. It has been metal as fuck. Cam, do you got anything you want to push from last time? No, nothing to push. Right on. Cam maintains no online presence. Uh, <laughs> if you see him at a bar, buy him a beer. We're going to be closing on Rainbow in the Dark because that horn line tickles me a lot. Excellent. <laughs> Have a great week, you guys. No